Welcome to Stories from A to Z with Mona P. I'm your host, Mona Pasanoff. Today, we feature Melissa Binkley sharing her camper travels and tribulations. Listen as she tells about the tire blowouts, her dog's escape adventure at Disney, and her COVID bubble hideaway. You can't help laughing with her when she describes using frozen corn to cool off or the sound of the potato bag crunching. This is a show for anyone who RVs and those who don't. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to my show. Thanks for having me, Mona. I'm so glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? How did you wind up in Valrico? So I'm born and raised Floridian. I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida. And then my husband and I, when I was 25, made the decision to move to Valrico because we could get a lot more house for our money. And funny story there, when we bought the house, we were both used to living in St. Petersburg where you're at sea level or below sea level in some areas. And so big rain and you flood. We bought a house on a hill with an angled driveway so that water would never get in our homes, not really realizing that Valrico is so far inland that that's actually a detractor and lowers your home value. Oh, but anyway, we still live in Valrico. We love it. We don't live on the house on the hill anymore, and it's great. Thank you. Today, we are focusing on some of your camping stories. Let's begin with how and when you decided what to buy. Probably like 2012, we started talking about it. Financially, we weren't necessarily in a position to do it. We started talking and planning for it because we were big campers and I, we had a tent. It was 16 by 16 and I called it my plastic vacation home. We would take our plastic vacation home and go have our life adventures camping. But whenever you do that, you're around these campers with these wonderful campers, trailers or RVs or whatever. I really thought this is something I would like to do and have in my life. So we saved for a bit. I was out for a run with my friend Jen, who has four children. Her children were a little bit older than mine, two in high school and two at, at the upper end of middle school. She was having a hard time being able to book trips with her kids after she had recently bought her camper because her kids had these busy social lives and were like, well, mom, I can go to the beach with you and camp for three days, but then I need to be home to hang out with my friends. She had known that I had been saving and thinking about a camper for quite some time and said, look, don't wait, do it now while your kids are smaller so that you don't have these conflicts. So I think when we bought our camper, our oldest was in uh, fourth or fifth grade, and our youngest was three or four, and our middle uh, was five, six age range. So in 2015, we made the decision that we were going to buy a camper, then we talked about what it was going to be. Cruise America, they sell their RV. We had been looking into that and it was $23,000 or so, $28,000, depending on the RV. I thought, you know, that would be an economical way for us to get into one. We did a couple different things. We rented a pop-up. We rented one of the Cruise America RVs. We tried those out first to see how it worked with five of us. What we realized was a couple of different things. A pop-up was not going to work for the type of life adventures I wanted to have, which was, I want to be nomadic. I want to be able to go when I want to go, and I want to be able to be comfortable in that. The second thing was when we did the driving one, my husband was concerned about having something in the engine that would sit for a long time. So that kind of took it off the table. And we knew we would need to have a vehicle because we have all these kids and we would not want to just have a driving thing with no vehicle. So we we're going to have to tow anyway. So why not just tow 
a trailer. We bought a GMC Yukon XL first because before we bought the camper because we had to have the vehicle to tow with and we couldn't buy a pickup truck reasonably because I have to work um, remotely and I work in the car when we're driving and I needed my kids to be far enough away that it wasn't evident that they were in the car. Do you know the sound of chips being reached into a chip bag. Do you know that sound, Mona? Yes. That yes. Sound. <laughs> My kids love that sound. They love to make that sound all the time. And it's much better when they're in the third row making that sound than right behind me in a pickup truck. So that's why we decided to get the GMC Yukon. So we bought that. Then we went to the RV show that January. So that was 2014. We went to the RV show in January of 2015. So we were prepping for this and we landed on a camper. And funny story there, we decided to take our children with us to the RV show. Now, mind you, Alex is like three slash four and Kara is like five slash six and Emily is in that nine range. Oh my goodness. It was a lot. We walked into the camper that we bought and right away, my kids, they always migrate to the bunkhouse and we wanted a bunkhouse. We wanted two separate rooms. They shut the door. My husband and I sat on the couch and I said, do you hear that? And he said, no, what? And I said, exactly. I cannot hear the kids. And he said, this is the camper. And I said, yes, it is, babe. And with that, the guy came in and said, hey, make a deal. And, and that's what we did. So that is how we ended up getting our first camper. That is a great story. Where was the first place you went to with your new camper? The first road trip we took with our camper, where we did multiple destinations, we went to near St. Mary's, Georgia, then we went to Savannah, and then we went to Disney, uh, Fort Wilderness, and then we came home. And we did that all in a six-day period. That was our first shakedown camping trip to get the bugs out. After that, what was your next longer trip? It would be the summer road trip that we did, and that was 10 weeks. We do a summer road trip every year, but that one, we went all the way to Niagara Falls and then came back down to Florida. We were gone for about 10 weeks when we did that trip. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure it was. And did that trip have any tire mishaps? No, it did not. It was a nice, clean trip, and so we got really comfortable with our camper doing the road trip and didn't think too much of it. Didn't have any kind of real events, just had a wonderful summer, and at what point did the honeymoon wear off? Yeah, that did happen. We took the camper out over the course of the year. We are avid campers. Like This is something that we do quite frequently, I would say. If you aggregated our time in our camper, we probably spend about four months of the year in totality, maybe five, um, in our camper. So it's a, it's a lot. We actually use it. These campers aren't necessarily built to be used to the extent that we do, especially lightweight travel trailers that can be pulled by big SUVs. Our second year, our second summer, probably another 10-week trip or so. And we, let's remember, you also bring two dogs. I do. Um, one big, uh, he's about 62 pounds. And one little guy, he's about 12 pounds. I think we've got that kind of down to a science now with bringing the dogs. Interestingly enough, the second year, we are driving down the road and a tire blows. Um, we were in Kadoka. We were headed to Mount Rushmore and we were in Kadoka, South Dakota. Probably never heard of Kadoka, South Dakota because there's nothing in Kadoka, South Dakota. And it is a hundred miles from the nearest metropolitan area that can give you a tire. And it takes forever 
for an RV mechanic to come out and help you. So here's what happened with that, that little trek. So we're pulling the camper. All of a sudden, the tire goes, but we don't know that the tire goes because we aren't experienced RVers at this point. We didn't have any problems the year before, so we don't have a tire minder system, which we do own one now, by the way. The tire blows, and when it blows, when it shreds, because it shreds eventually because you don't realize that it's happening. It whips out your sidewall on your camper epically. So we pull over um, when we realize that this is happening. We are on the side of the road and we're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? My husband goes to change the tire, but in addition to the tire being a problem, he realizes that something's gone wrong with the bearings and that that area is like super hot. What's going on? I call Good Sam's, which I have this membership for what? Nothing. So Good Sam's, they tell me, don't worry, don't worry. We have a campground that's right there that you can go to. We can't send a tow truck because you're in Kadoka, South Dakota, but it's just six miles up the interstate to this exit. No problem. And you'll get a Good Sam rate at the campground and everything will be fine. And then we'll dispatch a mechanic to you, which by the way, the mechanic can't come for two days. No, no, no worries. So I said, what am I supposed to do? I've got this crap tire. My sidewall's all burned out. Like, you, what, what are you suggesting here? You know, can you change the tire? No, I can't change the tire. I just told you, like, there's something going on with the bearings too. Like, this is a nightmare. Our suggestion is that you drive up the interstate five miles an hour. So to go this, like, six miles, it took us, like, an hour and a half. It was awful. So then we get off the exit and we pull into this RV park in Kadoka, South Dakota that Good Sam's has recommended with their seal of approval. Oh my God, I was pretty sure I was going to be murdered and my children were going to be murdered and they couldn't come out because it was like a Cujo dog. Do you know Cujo? Yes. He'll eat your face. This dog was going to eat our face. Plus there were like rats in the laundry room. It was epic just epic. It's fine. I'm going to make the best of it because we're in South Dakota. That was where we wanted to get to. And oh, by the way, Wall Drug is just 120 miles up the road. So let's go check out that cool place. I think we do a really good job of being very reactive in these situations, having a positive outlook and looking for the silver lining. So two days later, the mobile mechanic shows up and he says, okay, I repacked your bearings. I put a new tire on and I fixed your sidewall you're good to go. Then with that, we head out. Then there's more. The saga continues. You have a story. I want to say it was maybe in Georgia. It was really hot and another tire situation. In total, I think we had probably six or seven tire situations. And to just kind of give your audience a, a whole condensed down into a very quick time period. The name of our camper is Apollo 13. And the reason why we named it Apollo 13 is because it got you there, but you were practically almost dead or killed by whatever happened in the interim period while you were trying to get there. Absolutely awful. That's Apollo 13. We actually no longer own Apollo 13. And, um, we own the Starship Enterprise now because, you know, we're always trying to seek out new lands and new civilizations. Apollo 13, absolute nightmare tire issues from year two into year three. And we actually ended up trading in year three. You're talking about one of six different instances that we had. I'll tell you the one that broke the camel's back. We were in Tennessee coming up a mountain. Um, we were going to camp at a state park. The tire went out again. There are different reasons why this was happening. And by this point, we'd had the axles replaced, all kinds of stuff. And it was because of a manufacturer defect. We had been on fire twice. You ever be on fire on the side of the road while you're on a conference call for work leading it? 
Um, it's amazing. Like the thing is on fire and your husband says, I see smoke, I'm going to have to pull over. You're talking on the conference call, leading the conference call. He pulls over and you're watching out the side mirror as this is happening. You see him come around because you know you've got a tire issue because you've got tire issues all the time. And then you see him fling open the camper door and you see the fire extinguisher come out. And then you're like on this call, very calmly. Yes. So that's, uh, that's good to know. Okay. Listen, guys, I'm going to have to step away for just a minute. I'll be right back. Hey, Lori, will you take this call? You get out of the car at this point, because obviously something's on fire. Your children are in the car. You're in the car. What's going on? What a nightmare. So it was so hot. It was incredibly hot. At this point, we've exhausted our spares. And for the record, even now with our newer camper, we still travel with three spares. That's not normal behavior. That's traumatized behavior. That's what happens when you lose tires all the time. You have three spares. So we're on the side of this mountain. God love these people. They're so kind. Everyone's stopping. And in Kadoka, South Dakota, nobody ever stopped, by the way. Probably nobody there to stop. I mean, probably true, right? So they're all stopping, asking if they can help. Well, Don realizes that he doesn't have another spare at this point because literally we've gone through all the spares. How does that happen? He says, I've got to drop the trailer and I'm going to leave it here on the side of the road and we have to go find a tire. And I said, oh no, 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 no. We're not leaving the camper on the side of the road. Someone could just hook up and take our stuff and go. We're not doing that. I will stay with the camper. He says, okay, it's real hot, babe. I said, it's going to be fine. So, so I'm sitting in the camper. I have all the windows open. I have the screen open and I am dying. It is literally like an easy bake oven in there. I'm pretty sure I could have cooked cookies, but we have a fridge and a freezer. So I get the clever idea. It's totally fine. I'm going to create a cooling environment for myself. And I take the frozen corn out of the freezer and I got it on my neck. I got it under my arms, like everywhere. I don't know why I have so much frozen corn in a camper, but I did. And so that's what happened. That is crazy, Melissa. And the truth is, I remember being on the phone with you when that was going on and the dogs were panting. Oh, it was terrible. Poor dogs. Yeah. Like, and I'm trying to put corn on them. Like, <laughs> it's not good. It was such a mess. Oh, I was so hot. In that moment too, right? Like I told you all those people were stopping on the side of the road. I think at one point I literally was down to my, my sports bra and thinking to myself, oh my God, if someone comes up to the door, I'm literally sitting here in shorts and a sports bra, but it was so hot I couldn't help it. It's incredible that you kept on camping, even though you had all those mishaps and the tire stories, you're right. Nobody travels with three spare tires. You're lucky if you travel with one. What was the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh yeah. So the straw that broke the camel's back. Have you ever been riding in a car pulling a 32 foot trailer and had the entire wheel and hub assembly come off? You want to know what that feels like? It feels like this. And you're like, oh, okay. And, but by this time we're immune. Like, in fact, Don and I are a pit crew. We can change a tire in nine minutes on a camper together. Nine minutes. So fast. And be back on the road. Like it's nothing. And we have all the tools that you need to do it. We're so prepared for this. Changing a tire is one thing. The entire wheel assembly coming off and going up underneath the camper and rolling down the road is completely another. This happens. I hear the kakunk and Don goes, what was that? That feels real weird. And I said, just pull over. It's another tire situation. So this time he waits in the car 
and I get out, then he comes around and I'm walking and I see it first. And I just start laughing because what are you going to do at this point? This is ridiculous. I'm like, babe, it's a tire problem. There is no tire. And I just keep walking down the interstate and probably a, a 10 to a quarter of a mile down the road, I find the tire on the hub. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to not have that little cappy guy thing that goes to the bearings. So then I start looking everywhere for that. And there's all kinds of like dead roadkill and snakes. And it was disgusting. Plus this tire is so heavy, but don't you worry because I work out. I come back up the interstate. Don couldn't see me because I was so far and I'm carrying this tire. And he's like, oh my God. And there was actually nothing wrong with the tire, but we had had an incident before where Again, this time the hub assembly had broken off the piece that holds the tire on. So we had to have an RV roadside mechanic. No, he wasn't RV. He was a semi-tractor trailer guy that works on them on the road. And he came and he welded something on and then he tightened the nut, the lug nuts. He tightened them so tight because he's used to working with semis that they all broke off and then the, everything left the, the camper. What happens when a tire falls off, like actually comes off? It doesn't just come off. It comes off and it rolls underneath your camper. And then we get to the ground that we're going to, right? Um, after we've gotten the tire all fixed, which was a nightmare in of itself because we had to go find the lug nuts and the bolts. I went to three different auto parts stores in the little town. None of them had exactly the right ones. So I had four different kinds of bolts and my poor husband is like trying to make it work but he did like a three-legged dog we made it to this campground in indianapolis with this completely jimmied up tire assembly we get there and the next morning i wake up i'm on a conference call i'm walking around and i see right here an rv dealership and i'm like oh yeah that's it i'm done i'm done we're in the middle of a summer road trip 10 weeks on the road and this was probably week three and I'm not gonna keep this camper. So I make this decision while I'm on this conference call. I walk back, my husband has this face. It's a special face that he reserves only for when he's gonna give me terrible, terrible news that's gonna cost a lot of money. He has on the terrible news expensive face. And I'm on this conference call and I'm like, okay, I, I gotta get off the call, find out what's going on with the terrible expensive face. So I hang up the call and I say, what, what is it? What is it you have on the, the face? And he says, babe, come with me. And I go inside the camper and inside our camper, you enter and then you go straight and that heads towards the bunkhouse and to the left is like our refrigerator freezer combo. And I notice as I'm walking that I'm starting to go uphill. How am I going uphill inside of a camper? Does it even make sense? What's happening now? I'm going downhill. What? What? And he said, when the wheel came off, it went under the camper. And now the floor does this. He said, we, I don't think we can continue like this. And I said, yeah, no, Apollo 13 needs to be destroyed. And so with that, I got off work at 4.30 that day. We went to the RV dealership. And turns out Indiana and Indianapolis, in case any of you are camper lovers and want to buy one, especially travel trailers, it's like the travel trailer capital of the U.S. You can find all kinds of different layouts and designs. And for us, that was really great because it gave us the ability to buy a lightweight camper that had all the features that we were looking for that we wouldn't have been able to necessarily find in Florida. So we ended up going to a different dealership the next night and buying a new camper. And because we were in the middle of a summer road trip and it's the size of a small, 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 small apartment, uh, it took us nine hours <laughs> to move out of our Apollo 13 and into our new camper. But cool part was, and I don't know if you believe in like 
things like this. But as we were finishing up, there was a double rainbow over our two campers as they were side by side. And I thought, well, this is a sign of good things to come. That is a great story, Melissa. Wonderful ending. I can't even imagine going through everything you went through, knowing your husband, walking in, up and down, and then to transfer everything from the old one to the new one. And you just left the old one there, right? Like you did a trade-in or? That was the best part, Mona. I was certain that they were going to basically say, well, you have to pay us to take this piece out of your life. In the end, no. Trading an RV, that's an interesting other tidbit for any RVers out there. Trading an RV is like simply a checklist. And I actually think we did a really good job of disclosing. We disclosed everything that had happened over the course of time with this camper. And they still, I think, gave us a really nice sum on our trade-in. So it was good. Excellent. You have such a positive outlook about it. And even when you were going through the midst of it, you still had a positive way of, we will get through this. We will deal with it. Do you have any words of wisdom to share with people who might be thinking about purchasing their own trailer? Yeah, don't do it. I'm kidding. I'm actually <laughs> totally joking. I love, love, love my camper even to this day, even despite all of that, I think it made for more resilient attitude and you have to be flexible. You have to go with it. You have to understand that if you plan to be there on the 9th, you might not make it till the 12th and that's okay. I look at everything like a life adventure. I think that's super applicable being an RV owner, doing the casual weekend thing. You know, you get to have cool little baby life adventures, but we really do have that nomadic life adventure lifestyle. I think that's it. I think just be flexible and have grace with yourself and patience with the situation and buy a tire minder. Not, I'm not kidding. Actually buy one tire minder. That's what they're called so that you can make sure that your tires aren't blowing out and you're driving on them. What do you love most about camping in your trailer? I like the fact that generally my family and not just my kids, my family. We are not people that stay in places that have a lot of internet access or, or even good cell phone service, um, which is interesting because I have to work on the road. I find ways to work around that too, where I can go to a coffee shop. I've worked for my car because I can connect to McDonald's Wi-Fi, et cetera. I think that it gives my children a more holistic childhood and the ability to be bored, to play with toys, to play outside, all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's one of the things that I love about it, the fact that it brings our family together in that way and that we play games at night and that there isn't streaming TV because you don't have that access. I like it because I read books when we're on the road, which is something that I don't feel like I get a lot of time to do because I think, you know, the phone calls to you and time sucks your life away. And then I love the adventures and the memories we make as a family. Like as I'm talking to you, my Alexa show is showing pictures. And the one that just came up was a picture of our second trip to Mount Rushmore in the camper. And I just feel so fortunate that we get to have those adventures. Yes. Definitely. You are fortunate. So Mount Rushmore was probably one of your favorite trips. Is there another trip that you've taken that is over the top the best one yet? I think any of my summer road trips are always epic. I think I'm pretty good at planning vacations. And, and you go for a long time. 10 weeks is a long time. 
Yep, we do. Now we spend four of those at Vogel State Park in Georgia, but the rest of the time we're on the road. Our first trip was pretty awesome because we did all the major things. We went all the way to Niagara Falls. We did New York City. We did Hershey, Pennsylvania. Wait, wait, wait. Let's back up one second. New York City with the trailer? We actually stayed in a place called Florida, New York, but we have taken our camper over the George Washington Bridge, which is a nightmare and nobody should ever do it. And I don't recommend it. And you've, we've also been stuck in New Jersey. Hey, did you know, fun fact about New Jersey, they have parkways. Did you know that if you take your camper on the parkway, more than likely you're going to lose your air conditioner. And did you know that it's really hard to find roadways that aren't involving the New Jersey parkway and that you literally get trapped and it's also hard to find a GPS that will help you get out of that maze. It's awful. So we try to avoid the New Jersey, New York City area these days. But that trip was pretty awesome because I think we didn't know a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, we did New York, Hershey, Gettysburg, Washington, D.C., and Niagara Falls. And there was this upstate New York, there's this place, it was on Lake Ontario. And I want to say it was like Golden State Park. That was probably one of my most favorite campgrounds ever. It was so peaceful and beautiful. And that lake is like Lake Michigan. You can't see the other side, like an ocean. So pretty. Excellent. I went there with you just now. That was good. This year with COVID, how did your summer vacation change? What was different this year? This is an interesting story. In March, my kids have spring break every year. And of course, we go and do something. It was funny. This year, we made the decision to not do a camping trip, which is unusual. Typically, we would do a camping trip over spring break. We made the decision that we were going to go on a cruise. And so our cruise was scheduled for March 12th, I think. We were kind of waiting to see with the pandemic, like what was going to happen? Are we going to actually go on this cruise? Maybe it was the 18th, I don't know, something like that. And instead, the pandemic hit in full force. And then the cruise line let us know that our cruise was canceled. And we were actually on the fence about going anyway. And so we decided, you know what? okay, we're going to go camping. That's a nice thing about having a camper, right? You can pivot really quickly and make a different decision about what you're going to do with your free time. We said, okay, where are we going to go? I talked to I have a very good friend who lives in Iowa, her and her husband and her, her two boys. We talked to them. We're like, hey, what do you think? We're going to cancel this cruise. And they're like, just come here. And we go there every summer for a week anyway. We're like, are you sure? Because of COVID and we're in Florida and Florida's infested with COVID. Like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, just come, just come. So we did. We all made the decision to take the risk. And at the time, none of us knew much about COVID anyway. We drive there and it takes us three days to get to Iowa. It was the most surreal three days I've ever had making the road trip to Iowa. It was surreal because, you know, we were not comfortable with going into gas stations, et cetera, because at the time, nobody knew anything about anything. And I, I want to say that I don't even think we had masks. I don't think Don or the kids or I even had masks at that point. We made the decision that we wouldn't stop for gas stations. We didn't plan to bring a lot of food because we don't normally bring a lot of food. We go grocery shopping when we get there. Um, we used the restroom in our camper while we were on the road. Then I remember we stopped at a restaurants to get food. We pulled into a parking lot. They had closed the dining room, of course, and they were only doing it through the drive-thru. Well, you can't pull the camper through a drive-thru and you're not going to drop it to go through the drive-thru. So it's fine. I took my 15-year-old and her and I pretended like we were in a car and went side by side through the drive-thru together and ordered our food. And the man said, well, normally we have to serve you in a car. And I said, I totally understand, but these are odd times and that's my camper and we're on the road and I need to buy some food. And he's like, 
you know what it is odd times. Yep, we're going to serve you. We ordered our food and he handed it out the window and then we ate it in the camper. Another thing that was odd was finding a place to stay. Some of the rest stops along the way had been closed due to the pandemic. Oftentimes we will overnight at a rest stop. Like we'll pull over late, we sleep for five hours and then we're back on the road. Oh my goodness. It was so late. My husband was so tired. He'd been driving for probably a good like 10 hours by that point, And we had to find a place to pull over. You know, I've heard that you can do this at Cracker Barrels, but we've never been in a situation where we needed to before. But because of the rest stops being closed, two of them were closed and rest stops are very far between. We ended up staying in a Cracker Barrel parking lot one night. Uh, so that was, that was different for us to have to kind of be forced in that situation. We get to Iowa and we decide we're gonna stay the week and then we're planning to go home. Well, then Florida starts talking about lockdowns, right? They're gonna lock down the borders. So you have to go through this extra check, etc. So our friends are like, just stay, just stay another week or so. And then my mom is telling me that you can't get toilet paper and that like all out of these paper products. But in Iowa, I'm in this little tiny bubble on 10 acres with my very, very good friends. I feel very safe. Then week two turns into week three. We're not having problems getting toilet paper. We're not running out of meat. We have fresh vegetables. And I'm hearing these horror stories back home about how you can't get anything at Publix except for chicken feet. And I checked with myself. I got the memo and it said, I don't like chicken feet. So I wasn't feeling that return to home at that point. So I'm talking to my friends. We're like, what do you think? Their kids are now homeschooling because they have to, and our kids are homeschooling. My husband is a stay-at-home dad, so now he's teaching all the children. My friend and her husband are working full-time. I'm working full-time. We can, we can all still do our jobs, and Don's taking care of all the kids. So three weeks turns into four, four weeks turns into five. And at some point I'm like stressing about this. Oh my gosh, we're such a burden and we need to go home. And my friends I find out are stressing about, oh my gosh, they can't leave because who's going to take care of the kids and we can't work if they go. And so then finally we have this big conversation, kumbaya moment where we all realize, you know what? This is just going to be okay, and we're just going to do it. We ended up staying in Iowa for 103 days. We went for a week for vacation during the pandemic. Honestly, it was the best thing ever. And the reason why it was good was a lot of the things that happened to other people where they felt socially isolated and alone, we never felt that way because we had each other, and there were so many of us. There were nine of us, and we stayed in our bubble. We had birthday parties for everybody. I think my friend made, she made nine birthday cakes over the time we were there. We had three bouncy houses. We rented the bouncy houses because our children used them and it was just them. And so it worked out really wonderful. And that was, that was what we did during the pandemic. That is great. For this coming summer, what kind of plans do you have? Oh, we do have plans. We are going back to Iowa. So our spring break plans, we have a friend who lives in Austin, Texas, just bought six acres. So we're planning to go there. It's going to take us probably three days to drive there. Um, I think we're going to stay two or three nights there. And then we are going to go to Arizona and go to the Grand Canyon. And I think it's going to take two or three days to drive there. So that is going to be an exciting life adventure. I think it's probably going to take us in total maybe two weeks to do that trip, round trips. I'm excited about that. And it's great because our kids are doing virtual school right now, which gives us the freedom and the flexibility to be able to do that. And I can work from anywhere. Have you or the kids been out West at all as campers? No. So the reason why is because typically the children can only go in the summer places. And if we go to Arizona in the summer, pulling our big camper, 
with an SUV, a large SUV, there's a good chance that the transmission temps will get too high and it's no good to, to make that trip. So March, the temperature should be wonderful. I really think it'd be great to do it. That sounds like a wonderful plan. Do you ever drive the car that pulls the trailer? I have driven it once around the block. Um, we live in a, a small subdivision and I did drive it around the block. And then John said that was enough. And then that was the end of that. I think he doesn't think I'm the best driver anyways. We are 52 feet from the front of the car to the back of the trailer. He's just not super comfortable with it. And there's this whole trick with it, like where you have to get super close on one side and on the other. And I get those confused, which means that I'm going to take out a fire hydrant, a house, a car. It's so funny. People always ask me if I drive the RV. And I always say, no, I've driven it like two or three times, very short distances. I'm not allowed to drive it either. It's okay. <laughs> What is it like to RV with three children of varying ages and two dogs? Oh, it's, that's an adventure in and of itself. The fact of the matter is, is that when you, you have, let's talk about the dogs first. They just want to escape. They're always trying to run away and you're in a campground and these people are like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you monitoring your dogs, etc." It's like, I didn't do it. I opened the door and the dog escaped. And then plus small kids opening the door and then the big dog, he's just going. We've had to figure out all these tips and tricks to like navigate that. There's this gate system that we put around the door. Technically, it would not stop Brian if he really wanted to go, but it's enough that he has to pause and then we can get him back in. So that's really good. There was this one time at Fort Wilderness where Brian and Miles decided to have their own life adventure. Along with the tire problems in the old camper, sometimes the door wouldn't shut properly. The Binkley Five heads over to Disney World for the day, gonna have the best day at Magic Kingdom, gonna be great. When we get back, where are the dogs? Where, where are, why, where are the dogs? Oh, there's a note. Your dogs were loose. The Disney parks people came and got them. Oh my gosh, my dogs are in the pound. Disney has called the pound. Of course they didn't call the pound, they're Disney. We go up to the front office, Brian and Miles both have on Disney collars. They have been just hanging out in reception back behind the desk after they got picked up and rode on the golf cart over to the front office. Thank goodness that my dogs are sweet, sweet dogs and that these folks didn't get freaked out by them. Disney, I don't know, they made it a magical experience. They had treats and they got new collars and all that the is the best story ever, Melissa. Your dogs got to sit in air conditioning, be fawned on and nothing bad could happen to them. Love yeah. it. What's one of the best parts of travel with children? Uh, one of the best things I think for my kids is that they form these relationships with other children that have sustained time. And that's an interesting thing. So we've been camping since 2015. We camp every summer without fail at a place called Global State Park. They have met children back in 2015 that they are still friends with to this day that come at the same time that we come. Don and I make the casual parent parental acquaintance with their parents. And so then we have a meal together and all that. And that's one thing I would say about our being is there's just this sense of community that happens where you've got this common interest. It automatically kind of bonds people. That neighborly spirit, I find it in every kind of RV place that we stay in. I, and for my kids, it's kind of the same thing. And so 
they form these relationships. And then kind of like when we were kids and we had pen pals, granted it's text pals or Insta pals or whatever social media platform they're communicating on. They do, they form these relationships that now are standing the test of time. And there's this one grandparent couple, a grandfather, grandmother, they bring their grandsons every year. When we first started out, my kids were so small and so were their kids. And he took a picture. He takes, he takes the same picture every year. And it's so nice because I didn't realize that this was happening. Like he took the picture the first year, he took the picture the second year. And the third year he came over to me and he starts showing me these pictures. And I'm like, this is so magical and worth every single penny, every single, every single moment uh, of frustration, because this is a memory that my kids get to have. I love that. What a heartwarming story to end with. I appreciate having you on the show. So thank you. Thanks for having me. It was nice talking to you. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you learned something about camping and RVs and trailers and tires. Don't forget to go to my Facebook page, Stories from A to Z with Mona P, to see photos of Melissa and the Binkley Five, Apollo 13, and the Starship Enterprise. If you're interested in sharing a bit of your life through this podcast, contact me to discuss the possibility. Always remember, everyone has a story to tell. I would appreciate you sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you can click to follow me on SoundCloud and Instagram and give me a thumbs up on the podcast page, that would be great. The next episode will be available in two weeks, usually on a Monday. Till next time, this is Stories from A to Z with Mona P.